The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Writer Files is brought to you by Studio Press, the industry standard for premium WordPress themes and plugins. Built on the Genesis framework, Studio Press delivers state-of-the-art SEO tools, beautiful and fully responsive design, airtight security, instant updates, and much more. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 177,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash StudioPress right now. That's rainmaker.fm slash StudioPress. These are the writer files. A tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Calvin Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediophile. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. National bestselling poet Tyler Knott Gregson visited the podcast this week to discuss his writing process and his journey to finding success. The New York Times called Mr. Gregson the literary equivalent of a unicorn, a best-selling celebrity poet. His latest collection recently hit number three on Nielsen's top 10 best-selling poetry titles ahead of Dante, Homer, Seamus Haney, and Khalil Gibran. The author is also a professional photographer and a multimedia artist who started his writing career as a humble freelance copywriter. His love of words, vintage typewriters, and photography have combined to inspire a new digital art form. Tyler boasts over half a million social media followers that have translated into two best-selling volumes of poetry with a third on the way. In this file, Tyler Knott Gregson and I discuss literary unicorns and celebrity poets, how a hobby turned into a best-selling book, the imposter syndrome that comes with finding success as a writer, upcycled art, and the hybrid digital analog revolution, how a daily writing practice really adds up, and why nature is the greatest creative muse in history. And we are rolling on the Writer Files here with Tyler Knott Craigson. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, uh, sounds like a construction uh, project over there. <laughs> no, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, um, I'd love to pick your brain about your process. For listeners who may not be uh, familiar with your story, uh, with your inspiring kind of origins as a writer, could you just catch us up a little bit? Oh, certainly. Um, 
I've been writing as long as I can remember. Um, I, I think we started, I don't know if you ever did them, but in my schools in Montana, we did these poetry units when I was a little kid. And everything from haiku to limericks to cowboy poetry, a little bit of everything. And so I, I fell in love with writing very early. I think I was probably in third or fourth grade when I really I understood that it was something that made sense to me. And then as far as, as writing goes, it's just been something that's been nonstop ever since. I, I All the way through school, it was my coping mechanism for not wanting to be in school. So I would just write in my own little notebooks and, and jot down lyrics and, and, you know, little poetry snippets here and there. And ever since I, I think poetry kind of introduced itself when I was about 12, that's when I really started knowing that that was a format hmm. that made sense to me just because there were no rules to it. I didn't have to worry about fitting it into some kind of a a box and I could just do anything I wanted to do and say anything I wanted to say. But yeah, writing's been something that stayed with me the whole time. I made money after college um, by being a freelance copywriter. And that was one of the weirder times of writing for me. I would wake up and sometimes I'd be writing about medical imaging equipment. And then 10 minutes later, I'd be writing about a golf tournament and then a mixed martial arts event. And (laughs) it was literally anything I could do to avoid a real job and, and the real world. And so, yeah, that's what it's just been. Writing has just been something that's followed me around and a passion I just never could quite shake off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've experienced just a, a unprecedented amount of success for a poet, which is also an inspiring story. Uh, I think the New York times called you um, the equivalent of a, a literary unicorn, <laughs> which I found <laughs> Pretty, pretty funny. So did I, trust me. Yeah, I think in one of the book signings I just recently did, they asked me my favorite animals. And for some reason, I've always said that unicorns are my fourth favorite animal. And everybody always thinks I'm being sarcastic, but I I really do. I love them. And so when I saw that, I didn't even care about any of the other things they said. I just said, I think the New York Times maybe just called me a unicorn. And (laughs) I don't think it's going to ever get, this is the pinnacle. I can't go higher than this for, for my personal joy. Yeah, that's funny. That's really, really funny. So it sounds like you decided um, that writing was going to be your path pretty early on. Was there, did you have, was there like a fl- ever a flash or like an aha moment, just like an epiphany when you were like, yes, this is going to be my career? Honestly, no. I Everything that everyone has ever told me about writing, and especially, I don't know if you've been to Montana, but in Montana, Everything here is pretty pragmatic, and we're taught from a pretty early age that the careers that are going are going to be the ones to make money and to make a stable foundation are going to be the ones that have a purpose and that have a very logical progression of events that can be followed, whether it's engineering or medical or uh, you know a lawyer, a teacher, something like that. Every, and if you're not those, then you're a tradesman. And for me, that was something that was never in my wheelhouse. I, I'm very right-brained, which is something you brought up a little earlier. I'm very right-brained and I couldn't make any of those logical connections. And so the funny thing is I've never, there was never an aha moment. Still today, I feel like this is just this one great accident. I, I think, like you said, it's hard to have success as a poet. And I still, I feel like someone made a mistake somewhere and <laughs> none of this should have come my way because I've been doing the same thing year in and year out long before anybody read it. And 
nothing changed. And I think that was what was so strange about the success that kind of found its way to me mm. was nothing ever changed for me. I, I'm still doing the same thing I was doing when I had seven followers as I am now that there are many more. And I just never expected any of this. I think maybe the closest thing to an aha moment about five years ago, four or five years ago, uh, my mom during Christmas time suggested maybe you should sell some, some prints of these poems that people seem to be enjoying. Maybe someone would buy them and that would give you some extra Christmas money. And so yeah, maybe the closest thing to an aha moment was that when I tried that and I expected maybe 10 or 15 people to order. And really, really quickly, I was sending prints out all over the world and I couldn't keep up. And I more than made enough money for Christmas that year. And I think that was when I thought, people are paying attention to this and people mm. seem to care. So maybe there is something here. But I, even then, I still never thought, well, no one will publish this and no one will care about this. It's poetry, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah I don't think, <laughs> I'm still waiting for that aha moment. I still feel like I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and it's going to be like, just kidding. We meant this to go to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think a lot of um, successful writers have that kind of imposter syndrome. Um, and, you know, it's clear that you've kind of had a workmanlike um, approach and, and, you know, you've got this vast social media following um, that supports your work. And that's, it's really, really inspiring to see. And, but, it, but it also seems like you're, you're kind of a, a multimedia artist with your kind of, your part diarist, part um, uh, photographer who works in multimedia. So the, the, the poetry piece is just a compliment to all of that. Do you, do you feel that um, the writing kind of trumps the other art that you do, or is it all just one piece? To me, I've always felt like I'm just always trying to say the same thing. And the way that I try to say it, the, I use the two to fill in the gaps that each one for me has. Um, whatever I, I feel like I can't quite nail down with a photograph, that's where my writing comes in. And I try to create that little photograph in my own brain with the words that I write. And then same thing, there's, there's other things where I could write pages and pages and pages about a single tiny little moment, but a photograph would just make me feel it so much stronger than any words that I could ever say. Hmm. So I, I always feel like the, the two kind of dance around each other and it's like they're, it's like they're a tag team and they're ready to, to jump into the ring when the other one is tired. And they're like, well, I know what you're trying to say with these emotions when these words, but you're not saying it, but here's a photograph that feels exactly like it. So go with that today. And yeah. then sometimes it's the other way around. And you mentioned the imposter syndrome. And for me, Honestly, if there's an opposite of that, I think that's where all of my surprise comes from is that I've always been the exact same way, even when no one was paying attention. And so I think that's where I'm always so surprised is I look at it every day when people leave really nice comments and when I get these wonderful emails from people and I just keep thinking to myself, what am, wait, what? I, this should not be coming my direction. You know, It never makes sense to me. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just very strange. And again... I attribute a lot of that to Montana. There's just not room for BS here. And that's what I, that's what I love about this state. And I don't know. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny. I just, they all fill in each other's gaps, I guess. That's cool. Well, uh, where can listeners uh, find your writing out there? I know you have a lot of different, different places that you share. 
I do. I think Instagram is an easy one. Um, it's just Tyler Knott on Instagram and T-Y-L-E-R-K-N-O-T-T. And then my website actually easily enough is the exact same thing. It's just tylernot.com. Uh, I think those are the, and then Twitter even is the same. I'm, I'm very simple, but all of them are the same. <laughs> so yeah, cool. I think those are probably the quickest and most efficient ways to get a hold of me. And I'm, I'm really accessible. So I love talking to people. I love hearing their stories and it's fun to, to see the trickle down effect of silly little words that you come up with. Yeah. And, uh, you've got two books of poetry now, um, available out there. And, um, what are you, what are you working on, uh, for the future? Oh man, a lot of really fun stuff coming up. Actually, I have, there's going to be a third volume of the poetry that's going to be closer to the first one. It's going to be typewriter series, but then I'm also going to do some fun new things for this third book that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it kind of lets me spread my wings a little bit more and, and kind of write a little bit more outside the box just because, you know, we're not trying to to chase down a certain demographic or anything like that. It just kind of lets me put in the things that I really love and want in there. And then also super excited about this. Um, my best friend, Sarah and I, my business partner, we wrote a children's book together and it's being published and it's coming out next October. So I'm really excited about that. I have like five or six other children's books I've already written that are all kind of waiting on, but the first one's coming out next October and <laughs> I think it's going to be something really fun and it's going to be fun to, to dive into a completely different world than what I've been in. So fantastic. Are you doing any of the, uh, original artwork on that or, uh, you know, I, that's one art form I was never blessed with the ability <laughs> to do. I can't even draw a convincing stick person to be honest with you, uh, <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah, we have an absolutely amazing artist named Piper that, uh, she lives up in Canada and she has done she has literally brought this story to life in a way that I think has shocked both of us that wrote it. We just step back and we're like, gosh, she gets it. She completely mm. gets it. So it's going to be really fun. It's going to be something new. And I think a lot of people are going to like it. Fantastic. Well, we'll have to look for that. That's exciting news. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So um, I'd love to just talk about your productivity a little bit. How much time um, per day 
would you say, uh, if any, you're, you're kind of doing a research for, you know, spending time uh, reading um, or getting ready to write? Sure. I think the reading usually takes place just right before I go to bed. I read every night before I go to bed or I try to. Um, during the days, as far as, as far as research goes, I, I always feel horrible answering this question because for me, all of the inspiration for every single thing I write comes from just the things that I do. And so I'm very careful when it comes to writing and photography. I don't like to read or look into other poets or other photographers' work. I'm always, and that's the same reason why I've never taken a course on either of them. I'm always terrified that if I am taught how to do something, I'm going to do it like the person that taught me. And so in a weird way, I try to keep myself pretty isolated from those things. When there's an art form that I'm in love with, I, I, for me, it, it's always been a personal pursuit. And so I want to make sure it stays that way. And I want to make sure the things that I write don't cater to a certain person or a certain group of people. They don't sound like something that's, a, that's been written. And I'm very, I'm very protective of my mm -hmm. mental space when it comes to that. So honestly, the most time-consuming part of all of the writing is the actual physical use of the typewriter because it's so old and so hard to use. <laughs> that, that's literally the most time-consuming part. The finding of the words kind of just happens yeah. all day. But yeah, the, that's what takes all my time up is just translating them down onto pieces of paper. Yeah, yeah. So before you um, sit down to get clacking, uh, do you have any pregame rituals to kind of uh, get you into the mode? A cup of tea, always. I always have a cup of tea with me when I'm, when I'm writing. And I, I've never had a cup of coffee in my whole life, and I have no idea why. Something about the smell of it, I've just never loved. So it's always a cup of tea. And I'm also, I think I'm kind of strange when it comes to poetry, like poetry world and poets, is I've also never drank alcohol. And so the two big things that, you know, usually you associate with contemporary poetry <laughs> are two things that I've never tried. Yeah. So I blame it on the Buddhism. But yeah, it's... I think tea is my number one ritual. Cool. And do you write every day? I do, absolutely. Um, that's, that's where the, the haiku book that just came out, that was how that even came to be was I've written a haiku every single day for, it'll be seven years in June. Wow. With, yeah, without ever missing a day. And <laughs> so, and then same thing with the, the typewriter poems. I'm over 1,300 right now, um, days in a row without missing a typewriter poem too. So mm. every day it's, it's my own little personal challenge to myself to make sure I'm just creating something every day. I think that's important is it's really easy in today's world to destroy things and just, you know, tear other things down and reduce things. And I think the more people out there that are looking to create and add something to it, I think it's a beautiful thing. So I try Excellent. to do that daily. Excellent. Um, so when you sit down to write, are you committing to like a block of time or do you have like a certain number of poems that you hope to get down? No, not really. It's more, I've always thought of my brain as kind of like a leaky faucet. And sometimes you have to, to open it up and let it get as much water out as possible. And then you can close it off for a while and let it build up again. And then you have to open it up and so each time I write, it's more, I mean, there'll be sometimes where, you know, I think I'm sitting down to write one poem because I have a line rattling around in my head. And then four hours later, I'll come up and I will have written 
you know, 25 different things. Mm. And then there's other times where I sit down and literally one poem comes out and that one line gets, gets settled and it, it becomes something. And then the minute that that one line is done, I'm good for the night and I don't have anything else that night. Yeah. So I just, it's, I never really know. It's just more a matter of how much pressure is built up in my brain before sure. I finally find the time to sit down and let it all come out. Yeah. Yeah. So does inspiration strike more in the mornings or the evenings for you? I think usually the evenings. Um, but it, again, it's, it always kind of feels to me like an accumulation of the entire day. I think uh, evenings are usually when I have the time to kind of sit back and reflect on the things that I've done or seen or places I've gone. And so I, I always feel like it's the, I fill up my brain in the day and then at nighttime it's when if it doesn't go away, I don't get to sleep and I don't get to, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's like that purging that needs to take place. Yeah. yeah. So do you like to listen to music while you're writing or do you prefer silence? I'm one of the weird ones where I can have, I could be listening to music with a movie playing and have someone talking to me in the background and it's not going to affect anything that's going on in my head. Um, <laughs> but I think music, I definitely like to listen to music when I write. I think, especially too, if you, there's, I think there's certain music that complements the mood that you're already in. And I think we kind of self-reinforce it. We chase sad songs when we're feeling melancholy. And, hmm. and I think, so there's certainly some music that for me just sets my brain into the right place, I guess, for it, that, that lets things come out. It, it just unclogs things a little bit easier. So the things that I do want to say come out a little bit smoother. Yeah. Well, one natural question would be for a poet, do you write, do you have you written song lyrics or written for music? I have before. Yeah. And I, I think I started doing that when I was in high school. I had some friends that were in a band and they were really good at the musical side of it. And I could play guitar and I still can, not amazingly, but I can play. But I loved, for me, the the number one thing of music that I've always been drawn to is the lyrics. Other people were listening to melody or beat. And for me, it was the lyrics. And so I started in high school just dabbling with it with friends and I would write them lyrics for stuff. And but it's been fun too because with this social media thing that's kind of expanded that network, it's been really cool because I've I've actually had musicians reach out and, and kind of want to mess around and write things together. And one of my best friends is a musician and actually lives in Colorado, Gregory Allen Isakov. And uh, he I've been a huge fan of his for years and, and I, I didn't know it that he was reading some of my stuff during that time. And so... Mm. We actually ended up meeting in D.C. a few years back and instantly just kind of felt like brothers. And so over the past year and a half, he and I have been doing some writing together. And he has an album that's going to be coming out sometime next year that that I helped mess around on some songs with. And so it's been really fun to to kind of cross that river and go mm. into a completely different bank. And it's been really cool to see the other side of things, too, just to see... Because for some, I don't know, for some musicians, the lyrics come as an afterthought. And so it's been interesting to see how sometimes he finds the lyric first, sometimes he finds the the guitar first, sometimes he just has an overall feel. And it's been fun trying to help someone else make art in, in little bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. So I think I've heard you answer this question before, but do you believe in writer's block? <laughs> I think it's certainly a thing. Um, I just feel really, I feel like a jerk every time I answer that. So far, I've never experienced it. And so I'm absolutely certain that 
it happens and that people run into it. And, but for me, I don't, I think that's the number one question I'm asked, you know, at book signings and in emails, people always ask me how to get over writer's block. And I honestly never have an answer for them because I have no idea. I don't know what I would do. And I always kind of just try to give the same, I guess, general life advice is if you feel like you're running out of things to write about, then make your life worth writing about, you know <laughs> what I mean? And, and add more, more memories and more things to inspire you. And so, yeah, so far I've just been really lucky that I haven't run into that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd like to dig into your workflow a little bit. Um, I know that you probably work on a, a lot of different types of hardware, but what model typewriter are you using over sure. there? Sure. Yeah, it's a Remington Rand 17. And uh, I think it was made in 1927. Um, I'm on probably the ninth replacement ribbon. And thank goodness someone on Amazon figured out a way to make the ribbons that fit the machine. Um, or else, yeah, this thing would have been retired a long time ago. <laughs> but it survived numerous moves and falls and it's still kicking. And I just got it at a little local antique shop here in Helena and it's doing its job. So I That's think cool. that and, and my phone, honestly, are the two things I use the most because I travel a lot and I can't always take this 45 pound typewriter with me. And so <laughs> there's a lot of times when I'm traveling where, like I said, the day will happen and by the end of the night, I'm, I feel like I'm filled up. And so the phones have been a great way for me to send myself the poems that I've written to make sure that I, I don't let them fly away before it's too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have some, um, favorite software for doing that? I just use the, whatever that crappy notepad app is on the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, and, or either that or I'll send my email a text message, mm. which I found out was a thing, which made me really excited. So <laughs> yeah, that's cool. really, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very simple guy. I don't have anything elaborate. And that's the other thing on Instagram. I get a lot of questions saying, what app did you use to make your pictures look like a typewriter typed on it? <laughs> and I always have to write back and say, it was a typewriter and it was a piece of paper. <laughs> so very lo-fi. Yeah. Yeah. But the multimedia piece of it, it's almost like found art, right? Because you've got all these different irregular paper. It's like you sure. found this kind of antique paper or pages of a book or um, that's something very compelling about your work. It's all found. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Um, I do, like I said, I travel a whole lot and I'm always having pieces of broken books that I find in antique stores or title pages from books that I don't know where the rest of the book went or receipts or boarding passes or vomit bags from the airplane. I mean, I just, I, <laughs> all this paper just finds its way and I, I, I just save it. And I, I don't know. I always feel like I just, it deserves a second life. And so I don't know. I think, so, I think there's something really beautiful about taking something that should just be thrown away and at least trying to make something art out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like upcycled, uh, art, but, but it then, is. then there's the writing piece of it. And so then with the photography piece, um, not, not that this is an, a podcast about photography at all, um, are you using then analog uh, or digital photography to uh, make that part of the poetry? Sure. I have both. The trouble is, again, time-wise, it's pretty difficult now to find people who will reliably do the prints for you. Um, I, I have quite a bit of experience in a, in a dark room, but 
unfortunately there's nowhere local anymore that I can do that. And I, I definitely don't have the time or the resources or the space to make my own. And so a lot of that has transitioned over into the digital world. Um, I'm, you know, my other half of my job is I'm a wedding photographer, um, by trade. And so I travel a lot for weddings and I go to all these beautiful places. And that's the one really nice thing about digital photography is there isn't a lot of stuff you have to take with you. You can bring your camera and you can take as many photographs as you want, guilt-free, you know, and you can come back and not feel bad for deleting 85% of them. But yeah. it gives you that freedom to kind of chase the inspiration when and where it hits you without having to fumble around with your equipment and try to figure it out. And yeah. So I don't know. There's, it's funny because I'm kind of caught between both worlds and I kind of drift back and forth between them. I mean, I'm using a 1927 typewriter, but then I'm using the latest digital SLR camera. So it's, <laughs> it's, I, I definitely don't have a rhyme or reason to the way I do things. I just kind of, I do what works when it works. Well, it definitely suits the, uh, the times that kind of, uh, hybrid, uh, model where you're incorporating, uh, both. So it's yeah. pretty cool to see. So how does Tyler not Gregson unplug at the end of a a long day? Oh man. Ah, where I live is pretty easy. It's I, so like I just mentioned at the beginning of this, I'm renovating my house right now. So lately that renovation has been the number one way of unplugging just because you're so exhausted at the end of a day of, like I said today, today we were busting up chunks of concrete that were four feet wide by seven feet tall. And we were trying to put them into small enough chunks that you could physically carry them away. And so doing that for the past month has been a really great way to unplug. But when I'm not doing that, I think travel is a big one. Um, Living in Montana is a huge one. The ability to walk out my back door and be in 350 miles of completely untouched forest. Mm. That's a pretty wonderful way to, to take your brain away from social media and the rest of the entire world. Uh, it's pretty nice to be able to take your dogs out the door and just walk for hours and not worry about seeing a house or a car or anything else. I'd love to dig into your creativity a little bit if you have time. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever you want. That's great. So let's talk about creativity and, and kind of, if you could define creativity in your own words. Oh man. I think for me, creativity would probably be the ability to make something where uh, everyone else sees nothing. I think that's what it is for me at least. And, uh, when do you personally feel the most creative? Oh man. I think kind of always. And again, that's probably a cop out, but I don't know. I get accused by the people who know me and, and spend time around me that they always say that I'm like a four-year-old or I'm like that dog on the movie Up. <laughs> <laughs> I get, literally, I get called that more times. And I, like, I should probably start thinking that it's an insult because it happens so often. But I'm always distracted by the smallest things. And I think being around me is either I, I kind of tend to think that everything is just this magic little miracle. And even when other people are looking at like, yeah, Tyler, that's a spider. There are many of those <laughs> on this planet. But for me, there's not that spider. It's that spider is here right now. And that's, you know what I mean? And so it's I, always, I think I'm, I just, 
for whatever reason, whatever is going on inside this brain of mine, I, I always feel like I'm, I always feel that way. I just always feel like I'm looking out with some form of wonder. And Mm. so I hope that never goes away. I, I'm 34 and I still feel like a four year old. So I don't know. (laughs) I think it might be set in for good. Yeah. They say 34 is the new four. Yeah. 34 is the new four. So (laughs) that's going to be my PSA. (laughs) It sounds like, uh, nature really is your creative muse. Do you have, do you have an inkling towards another kind of creative muse that touches you at times? Nature is a huge one for me. I, I've always said over and over and over again, if it lives, if it breathes, if it grows, if it eats, if it sleeps, if it anything, if it, if it has life in it, I am crazy in love with it. And it's been that way since I was a little kid. And I, I think doing that and seeing the world that way, it's just, it literally, it makes me kind of eyes open all the time. And it, it gives me an appreciation of things I don't know that I really appreciate like I'm glad that I see the world that way, even though it can be, I don't know, naive sometimes or whatever. I, I don't mind. I think I love seeing the world that way and it's just a lot more fun. It's just so much more fun to think that everything's magic than it is to, I don't want to know the scientific explanation. I just want to think that it's magic. Yeah. Yeah. So what in your personal opinion do you think makes a writer great? Honesty. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things to be as a writer. And you said the imposter syndrome and you hit the nail on the head. I think whenever I'm reading a novel or a short story or anything, if I don't feel like there's honesty in the words that I'm reading, I I get taken out of it. And so uh, for me, I think the ability to be honest is, I think the writers who, who last and who are seen as great are the ones who were the most honest with whatever they were feeling, whether it was joy or sorrow or whatever, any emotion. I think if you can honestly, if you can be honest to it, it's going to make a difference and people are going to respond because people are unbelievably accurate when it comes to cutting through the BS that, that some people can put out. And yeah, I think, I think people weed it out pretty quickly. So if you can be honest, I think that'll make you pretty great. Whether or not success comes, I don't think it has anything to do with success. I just think it's it's a completely different barometer. Yeah, yeah. That authentic voice is hard to manufacture. It is. And you can do it for a short time, but I think, you know, because that's one of the critiques that people write about me is they just say, well, this guy can't be like this. He doesn't, you know, he lives in Montana, but he can't be doing this and this, and he's not that romantic. And But my whole, my answer to that always is, I feel like I would have run out of words by now if I was making them up. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. been too many years in a row of of saying these things and saying them the way I want to say them. I couldn't do that if it was manufactured. I I would run out. I mean, I would run out of inspiration and I would it would exhaust itself inside me. So Yeah. So do you have any um favorite authors right now? Uh lately I've been reading the short stories actually of the guy, Anthony Doerr. He's the guy who wrote all the light we cannot see. Hmm. Um, I just got done reading two different volumes of his short stories and they were really, really beautiful. I, I loved the way that they were written. Um, one of my favorite books ever is the end of the alphabet by CS Richardson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the book thief by Marcus Zusak, even though that's, I, I guess, technically young adult. I thought it was one of the most beautiful pieces of, of writing I've read in a while. Um, as far as poetry goes, I've always loved Walt Whitman, number one. So, mm. 
I think it must be that nature, the nature call that I've always felt in him. <laughs> so, so uh, do you have any best love quotes that kind of that kind of hang around for you? Oh, probably a Whitman quote. He said in one of his things, "To me, every hour of the day and night is an unspeakably perfect miracle." And that always resonated a lot because I read that and I said, oh my gosh, someone else gets it. <laughs> That's good. All right. A couple of fun ones for you. Yeah. Paper or ebook? Paper for sure. But <laughs> if you travel though, I, I have both. Again, I live in both worlds. If you travel a lot, I, I finally, I was gifted actually. Uh, a girl I do a lot of these online writing courses with, Andrea Balt. She gave me a Kindle Paperwhite a year and a half ago. And at first, I was so adamantly against them. I was like, I will never use this. I will never <laughs> buy a Kindle book. No. And now I find that it is so wonderful if you travel a lot because it lets you read and read and read and read without having a suitcase full of books. And I always, what I do is, I, I, if I love the Kindle book, I will immediately go and I will buy it in hardcover right after just to make mm. sure that. I have both because I, there is something beautiful about collecting books and I have a billion and I love them. So, yeah. but yeah, I do love the e-readers, but paper still wins. Yeah. Yeah. There's something kinesthetically, uh, just so different, but, uh, different, but same. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I, no, I completely understand. So, um, who would you say is your favorite literary character of all time? Oh my gosh. Um, it doesn't have to be from a book. It could be from a movie or a TV show. You know what? So speaking of that book, The Book Thief, I was so disappointed. One of my favorite characters in, in a long while in a book was the narrator of death in The Book Thief. And the, I felt the way that death was written, it, it something about the way death was written really resonated with the way it was narrated. And mm. I wished so badly that when they made that into a movie that I hoped and hoped that they gave death the weight that it deserved. And unfortunately it was just reduced to like a minute long narration. And <laughs> I, I was so upset because for me, that was one of the, the characters that I, I don't know. I, I felt familiar with I, the way that the way that death spoke and the way that mm -hmm. death felt. I just, that was one of my favorite in recent memory was the character of death in that book. Okay, here's a good one for you. Yeah. If you could choose one author from any era for an all-expense-paid dinner to your favorite spot, who would you take and where would you take them? Oh, man. It would have to be someone really... Maybe like Roald Dahl. Just because <laughs> there's a strange and interesting childlike but darkness to Roald Dahl. And I think the stories that would come out would just be... Unbelievable, because there's a strange, strange mind at work going, <laughs> and that would be a fun, that'd be a fun dinner. And I think we'd probably go to eat. Oh man, it'd have to be like a chocolate factory, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't Perfect. it have to be like some weird Bavarian chocolate factory or something like that? Yeah, yeah, man. I can see you guys just getting a little weird at the chocolate factory. It would be, it would be a definitely weird, weird conversation. Well, with your proclivity for, um, you know, found objects and uh, vintage uh, typewriters, et cetera, do you have any uh, other kind of writer's fetishes or, or weird collections? I have a lot of strange collections. Um, 
I have a whole entire bookshelf full of vintage cameras that I've been collecting for a very long time. Um, I tend to collect tiny little pine cones because I just think they're awesome and adorable and I love them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm one of those people where when I walk around, I just kind of collect little things as I go. Again, it's like a four-year-old. Going on a walk from A to B with me is more like A to Z and then back to A again because <laughs> the whole way I stop and I pick things up and I come home with bugs and I come home with just literally anything that is probably junk to some person. But for me, I just it's, it's magic. So why not bring it home? So uh, last question for you in this section. Can you offer any advice to fellow writers on how to keep the ink flowing and the uh, cursor moving, or in your case, the sure. the uh, keys, keys, the keys, yeah, the typewriter keys, the typewriter keys. <laughs> I would say, I would say honestly, the thing to work the most on is just that honesty that we spoke about. I think there's, and I noticed this too. Um, I'm certainly not the first person ever in the world to type on a typewriter, and I'm definitely not the first person ever to write a poem, but I've noticed that. Uh, for a while after my typewriter series started finding some success, there were a lot of people who started typing poems on found objects on mm. typewriters. And I loved it. I love seeing people creating things. But I, it made me sad when a lot of those people kind of slowed down and then eventually dropped away. And I think, I think it was because they were chasing the wrong thing. I mm. think if they would have been chasing their own honesty and using it more as a purging or a therapy and writing because they had to, I think that the longevity would have been there. And I, and there's words that I would love to see from them. So I, I guess my advice would be chase the honesty rather than chasing the aesthetic or chasing the effect. If the reason you're writing is to achieve some kind of success, personally, I think you're doing it wrong. And I think you're going to be nothing but frustrated because where do you define success? And at what, you know, at what point does that line get drawn? And how, I don't know, you're always going to be pushing something that's not going to be there. And so for me, it's just chase that honest voice and, mm. and find that part of yourself that is trying to be escaping that you're not allowing out and let it out because that's where, I guess that's where it is for me. That's the point of all of this. That's the point of any art, no matter how you try to, no matter which format it takes, whether it's ink or film or whatever, paint, it doesn't matter. It's, I think everybody who makes art is all chasing after that little bit of truth and trying to say something they don't know how to say. Yeah. And so go after that instead of going after the effect. I love that. That's a great note to finish on. You know, I, one thing that came up and it kind of related to this, this question, but you know, in some of the other cities I've been in Denver as well, um, Seattle, Portland, I'll come across a poet out on the street with a little mm -hmm. typewriter. It'll be like, uh, $5 for a poem. Yeah. You, have you seen these guys? I have seen those guys. Yes. And it's like, they're multiplying. <laughs> they really are. They're everywhere now. And like you can hire them for weddings now, like someone <laughs> will come to your wedding and do it as a favor. And yeah. It, yeah. And what's funny is I get asked a lot. I do, like I said before, I do those little print sales during the holidays so people can buy prints of the poems. And people are always asking me, will you write a personalized poem? Like, will you write one for my girlfriend or will you write one for my husband or, and I always have to say no to those people because honestly, I don't know how to write that way. That's not the way <laughs> inspiration works for me. It's not like a, a turn it on and then do this for this person yeah. and then turn it off. 
And I wish I would because I'd, you know, God, I wouldn't even need books if I could do that for everybody. I would just, sure. I'd make my living. But yeah, so it is funny though. Everywhere you turn now, there's another person with a typewriter peddling their poems, which, you know yeah. what? Again, they're creating. So more power to them. This <laughs> is, I, I can't do it. <laughs> You've inspired a generation of, of <laughs> typists to hit the streets. Thank you very much, very much for that. <laughs> Thank you. Now stop it. <laughs> All right. Well, where can fellow scribes uh, connect with you out there? I think, again, the easiest place would just be Tyler Knott on Instagram or Twitter or TylerKnott.com. I think those are the, and then if you're in the bookstores, there's two books out right now, and there'll be a children's book and another one next year. But yeah, yeah Chasers of the Light is the first, and then All the Words Are Yours is the second. So Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Great stuff. Thank you so much for taking time out of your oh, my construction zone there to uh, <laughs> wrap with me. Really appreciate it. Oh, I really appreciate it too. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review in iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or just leave us a comment or a question, drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.